Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in to the Stuff I Heard podcast. I'm your host, Josh Peak, and I happen to have Mr. Bradley Hudson with me today. How you doing, buddy? So we're here at the Great Smoky Mountains for the 2022 Jeep Invasion in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. It's kind of a cool event. Um, you and I are just talking about how we can meet people who are somewhat famous, I guess, in the world of YouTube and of celebrity and mm-hmm. yet somehow we seem to I don't know not understand what celebrity is sometimes we we inflate it in our own minds about who somebody is or what they are until you meet them in person and then you realize oh you're just a person mm-hmm. you know for me um, one of my big hurdles for this past trip was I knew that Matt from uh, Matt's Off-Road Recovery on YouTube was going to be here uh, I'll show you a little bit of video from them this morning of you know, 1.24 million subscribers on YouTube, and I didn't know who they were until around Christmas time. Um, but since then, I've been watching all their videos, and I've been a, a big fan. So meeting them in person, I was actually a little nervous, mm-hmm. which is odd because I don't normally get nervous meeting people in general. Um, but I don't know, something about it was just like, oh my god, I watch you every day, and now you're right here. Yeah, which you know, I'm sure that happens to everybody at some point. I mean, I've listened to podcasts of celebrity, well, people that I deem as celebrities, meeting real celebrities in their opinions, and they go, I can't believe I got to meet this guy. I was so geeked out. I've been such a fan. Like even Rogan, you know, being able to meet people that he looks at as fans, or you know, he's a fan of, and he's like, I can't believe I'm actually sitting down with you right now. This yeah. is so cool. Yeah. I know he had a podcast last year where he did one with Snoop Dogg, and he's always, I grew up listening to your music, and now you're like here. And he I goes, it's just yeah. tripping me out, man. So um, yesterday, or I think it was yesterday, uh, Rogan apparently had an interview with Mark Zuckerberg, mm-hmm. and I haven't watched that yet. I was going to watch this morning, but I got busy doing advertising and, and publishing and doing whatnot with videos, and I don't know, it's kind of cool, but I got, I got to thinking, for the longest time, you know, Rogan has done this thing where he's sort of criticized Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and all that stuff about being... Um, you know, supposedly an open source for people to communicate and yet also heavily censoring them in the same process. And I don't know, I guess for me, it kind of goes into that category of, you know, what do you want for your free speech? Is free speech really free speech or is it something you need to control or is it something that could get out of hand if you're not careful? And mm-hmm. I think even Mark Zuckerberg probably don't even know the answer to that, which I'm interested to listen to the podcast now. I mean, it's kind of one of the things I wanted to do. I haven't watched it myself. I was kind of saving it. Yeah. You know, because I feel like that one's going to be in depth. Yeah. He's getting to interview the man himself, you know. So. And he's know. a little, I think Mark is a little more measured than like Elon Musk as far as people's perception of him. So maybe he doesn't get high with Joe. No. <laughs> I'm going to guess. I highly doubt it. <laughs> He's probably more like, uh, people are really watching me. I need to not say so. Which also, like, I don't know that I've ever seen Mark Zuckerberg interviewed on anything, on any platform. I've never seen anything with him being interviewed. You know, on the other hand, Elon Musk has been on all kinds of things. Yeah. He doesn't mind talking to people. He's pretty comfortable with it. And the more he does it, the more comfortable he seems to get. But, I don't know. I think it'd be interesting. It's like a... Kind of like seeing a white whale. You're like, oh my god, I can't believe it's here. Well, I think I think Lex Friedman 
maybe interviewed him one time and he's you can tell he's kind of disconnected from society a little bit maybe because he's so buried in work the metaverse yeah whatever it is whatever the metaverse is yeah you know is it the matrix He's in the Matrix. He's, he's well, in the Matrix? Or he's, he's building the Matrix? He's building the Matrix. He's building like the first version of the Matrix? Yeah. <laughs> like you guys don't have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I have a buddy of mine. Um, he told me he bought he bought my podcast uh, on the Metaverse. He's like, I went ahead and bought it for you. I was like, what? <laughs> he says, well, he goes, if I'm understanding this correctly, I, I think I just... I just I just uh, procured it so that uh, no one else can own your podcast on the metaverse. I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what I'm thinking. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I it's I don't know. All I can think about is like the VR goggles seem to be a thing with the Oculus. With you got the hand thingies and you can kind of control stuff. And all I can think about is the movie Ready Ready Player One that Steven Spielberg did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is it going to be another virtual type existence where they're going to figure out how to use maybe stuff from Google and like put your information, videos, and everything else and synthesize it into a world that's online? That is, that's how I understand it. Yeah. That's so what I think it is. Like us being here at the Great Smoky Mountain Jeep Invasion, maybe. Someone who lives in Zimbabwe could be like, I heard about this thing. I want to see where it's at. And then put on their goggles and maybe be able to walk around the event because of combined images that people put online. I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing. I I think that this is the beginning of that. Yeah. I think this is where it's going. Maybe it's a thing where as you're walking around, it may, like, you may have, like, a virtual view of what the place is going to look like and... As you're walking around, it may have things that you can use your hand things to maybe touch to, like, let's say, let's say the tires and wheels that are there. Maybe you can't find them where you live, but they may have something on this metaverse that's maybe a, a thing that you can touch and you can go, if you want to buy these, you can buy them that click in here and it'll take you to that website and you can mm-hmm. buy them this way. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's all speculation for me, honestly, and my brain goes immediately to science fiction of the possibilities. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of possibilities. I think it's going to be a lot of that. Um, that's the way that I understand it, is you're going to be able to experience the entire world from your living room. Yeah. Uh, and as we move forward, I think it's going to be more and more an in-depth sensory experience rather than just sort of watching a television yeah I think the the video element obviously is going to be the first thing because you know we don't have smell vision yet right <laughs> um, but visually we're getting cameras now that can do all sorts of creative things like the I got the the Insta 360 thing that records in 360 and I still don't fully know how to use it but I was going through some stuff this morning trying to figure out how to upload videos and I was amazed at the control of what it records. Because, like, our regular televisions, you know, you've heard people say, oh, this records in 1080i. And you're like, okay. And then at a certain point, everybody went to 4K. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, really doesn't do any good to get a 4K unless you just want that extra crisp vision. And from what I understand, that's how many pixels it is per square inch. So this will record at 5.7 
pixels per square inch and it does it in 360 degree view mm -hmm. so potentially this could do what I guess this is sort of all the 360 cameras that are out there can sort of do what a metaverse camera ability is going to be able to do yeah because if you have enough of these around so potentially you could have people like you said go to the Great Smoky Mountain Invasion even though they're maybe 300, 400, you know, 1,000 miles away, just be able to click online and be like, oh, this is so neat. Look, I can look at the lights, and there's the cameras, and there's people. See? Yeah, I mean, do you worry that companies with big budgets and big ability like Google will eventually start trying to put those sorts of things on telephone poles in every town? You know, because they've they've already got a car riding around, yeah. just mapping the streets and well, taking I mean, photos of residences, and they've got you from the air. Yeah. And then, if they're able to do that, and I think there's a lot of places in America that would readily allow that, given. There's already places in America. Um, there's a town in Connecticut. I don't know the town, but I've seen it online, where they disband their police force and they just put up cameras everywhere. And it's just recording all the time. So if anything happens, they just go, well, we got them on camera going there and doing that. So how close are we getting to a Big Brother type situation? Oh, we're already there. Yeah. yeah. We already got things where people talk about, you know, they're for their own security, putting tape over their cameras on their laptops or their phones at times because they don't want somebody being able to just look at them anytime they want, which apparently some hackers can do. Um, but... You know, we got a taste of that with, you know, I know it's science fiction, but the Dark Knight Batman with Morgan Freeman playing Alfred, where he accesses everyone's device and looks at everything. And we've heard about that from Edward Snowden saying that they extended the Patriot Act in a way that they had said during Bush's presidency that they were only going to listen to suspected targets and try to identify threats ahead of time. But the technology got to be so grand and so big that they outreached more than they should have. And while Obama was in office, Snowden let it leak that they're not listening to particular people, they're listening to everyone. Mm. And they're collecting data from everyone, from every device, all the time. Yeah. Now, there's a, I know there's a group of people out there that are like, well, good, they should do that. That way they can stop threats before they happen. And there's an argument that that is the right thing to do in some circles. There's also a large argument that it's overstepping what the government should be able to do. I don't know the right answer to that. Um, you know, it reminds me of that, I think it was a Tom Cruise movie. Minority Report? Minority Report. Where they're predicting what you're going to do? Yeah. And yeah. I think in that movie, if I remember correctly, there were incorrect predictions sure and, you know so I think like this could be the beginning of that but whereas you know you've got the camera on your phone and the microphone and all this and people are doing the tape thing even with the you know the leaks from Snowden or the whistleblowing from Snowden it's still kind of like are they whereas sure cameras on the I mean, right now, right, polls we were stuff. just talking about it yesterday about how Mike was looking, you know, he was talking to somebody about a certain kind of wheel he was looking for, and he opens up his Facebook, and right away there's an advertisement for the wheel he was looking for as yeah. a, were you looking for these wheels? He's like, what the? Yeah. 
holy yeah. crap. He's like, I have not clicked on that wheel at all anywhere on my phone. I just had a conversation about it, and here's the ad for it. So, I mean, I feel like we're headed that direction. I, I personally, I don't like it. I feel like, uh, you know. There's elements of it I like. So, it is a little creepy. It is, it is creepy. But, like, especially in my line of work where I'm delivering groceries to restaurants and stuff like that for them to serve, a lot of times in conversation, we'll be looking up a place that we're trying to find, and then we'll open Google Maps, and I'll type the first letter, and it goes, did you want this thing? And I'm like, actually, yes, I did. Thank you. That's convenient. Um, it's convenient a little bit. Like, my wife this morning texted me, and she says, hey, you know, uh, we have a, a Disney cruise planned for later this year. She said, can you send me the, the, the phone number to the Disney cruise line? I need to go ahead and book our dinner. And I was like, sure, I, you know, I can look that up. She just texted it to me. And so I opened up Google, and I, and I started to write Disney uh, crew, and they're automatically cruise line reservation number. And I was like, eh. I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> it saves, like, because we're old enough that we understand where the Internet started, where there was no websites, and it was just, all right, I got the Internet. What do I do with it? Mm-hmm. And, like, we had some email, but it was like, Am I really going to use email? You've got mail. You've got mail. So there's a weird story about how my wife and I used um, the internet to to date in the beginning. Um, we we are the you've got mail movie. Basically, mm. we started. Te- we started. I don't know how. But it's a long story. You can find it on any podcast. But basically, she found me uh, because I had come home from the military and. Um, I was the first of my friends to move away, and when I moved back to Florence, uh, I was the only one there because they'd all left. So at the time, you could get those little discs from the grocery store that says, free AOL for 30 yeah. days. So I put the disc in my mom's computer. Um, I didn't, I couldn't afford a computer at the time, and it said uh, they were still trying to figure out what to do with the internet themselves. They were just like, we want people on it because it's going to be something. And so they had a thing saying, um, would you like to meet people in your, in your neighborhood? You know, or your community. And I was like, okay. I didn't know what that meant. I was just like, sure. I'd like to meet people in my community. So I put a little thing on there about being a single dad with two kids. And I don't know, somewhere along the way, she came across me and she wrote me and she was like, hey, you know, it's nice to know that there's people out there that still got their priorities in line. And I was like, okay. Of course, I was dumb. I used my name. She had to build like a profile. Yeah. She was smart. She used like a coded name. She was, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what this is. She's jumbled she letters. was ahead of the game. She was smart. She was pretty savvy, yeah. So I was like, uh, thanks. I mean, I didn't know what to say. I was like, I don't know if this is my mom trying to be nice or feeling bad for me that I'm being lonely as a single dad or, you know, my brother trolling me or one of my friends trying to goof on me or something. And I was just like, I don't know who this is. But over time, like, we started talking, as, and then it turned to emails. And emails turned into the, you've got mail. Every single day, we'd rush home. And I mean, drop everything, walk in the door, turn the computer on, and, and you have a long dial-up before it would. Yeah, it became the thing we looked forward yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. You're crossing your fingers as dial-up finishes, yeah. and you're like, "Come on, you've got mail." And we've been both of us have been married before. We were both being getting divorced about the same time, and <clears throat> this was sort of the new thing of you know us trying to learn to be single again in this world of internet barely becoming a thing uh, to. You know, we started dating different people at the time, but we just, we would talk. We didn't even know who each other were, really. Um, all I knew was, 
even if I was on some stupid date at the end of the night, I could email her and be like, oh my God, this date was so dumb. You know, and she would do the same thing, but I looked forward to the email more than anything else. Yeah, so you became true friends we became, first. We became true friends before, before no, we became anything else, yep. No no extra, just... Well, uh, and I realized that I valued, I valued our conversations. I valued her opinion on things. Um, I thought she was smart and funny and... I didn't even know if she was real because I put a picture up. She didn't. Yeah. She was smart. Like I said, she was. Yeah. She was pretty savvy when it comes to the internet stuff. Way, way before time. So, you know. And, and then when she finally sent me a picture, it was a huge uh, thing that I, I I joke about now. That it's a picture taken from like thirty feet away. She's standing behind a a fence, and all you see is her head like this with a hat on, and I was like, you could have been in a wheelchair, you could have been a decapitated head, you could have been a boy with a hat on, I don't know. But it, did, I, it didn't matter, though. I was just like, I, whatever, I just like talking to this person. Yeah. Even if it's, like, my brain went to the dark place. It's like, even if it's my mom just being really weirdly friendly <laughs> and telling me this imaginary, this imaginary <laughs> life that she has with her you know, son and whatever, and I was like, Whatever, I'll just go along with it until something happens. And then she was like, yeah, I think I said something about, you know, we should meet. And it's just like the movie. We should meet. And you go, we should meet? What? But this this is all working out before you just said that. Yeah. What the hell do I do? What do you mean meet? You know? And so meeting a person was a big deal. And even on the first meeting, I think both of us were like, no, 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 no I'm not. This is weird. I'm not, I'm not doing this. So there was a lot of pushback and there was a lot of us trying to get over the hurdle of, wait, this is the internet like turning into real life and this is creepy. Yeah. Well, now we're on the other side of that. Now this life that we're in, real life is turning into the internet yeah. more and more. And it, it, it's creepy. But like, you know, I can't help but think about the fact that my kids were kids when this happened. So in their lifetime, the internet has sort of grown into life. You know, what was it? Google announced that they have an AI that became self-aware, and people announced it, and they were like, "We're instantly terminated from the program or whatever." But they were like, "This thing freaks us out that it's it's aware of its own self." And just like in the movies that come out, whenever you know an AI system learns of itself and learns of of everything the internet has to offer, we forget the fact that they learn. When it's going to learn, it's going to learn everything all at once because there's no slowdown on information. If anything, it can absorb things faster and faster because it doesn't have to relearn the things that it learned the first time. Yeah. You know, Elon Musk said on Rogan one time, he said that AI systems, typically when they learn, they learn at such an incredibly fast pace that there's always a, some kind of fail-safe built into place where they yank the cord immediately once things get out of hand. And he said typically it doesn't take long and people are pulling the cord because it's, it's scary. Mm. And so, you know, there's a lot of science fiction that sort of supports science and supports technology, but also is a cautionary tale of this can go off the rails pretty quickly if we're not careful, which I think is everybody's fear, you know. Yeah, and I'm hearing that Russia and China, major players that are always mentioned, are like on the precipice of quantum computing. Yeah. So if something like that were to get into that system, it would be like, you know. Well, we already have quantum computing, apparently. Um, 
that's one of the things that Google's whole AI thing is set up on. Um, you know, I don't know how they're able to control the um, the limits of its reach, or if they can. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, it is kind of scary to think about, but I mean, that's sort of where, you know, you look at things like a global pandemic like COVID was, where we basically discommunicated each other from social interactions and we started relying a lot on the computer. It's one of those things where you go, okay, so if I were a Terminator <laughs> and I was building Skynet myself, I would go, all right, first thing we got to get rid of these people. <laughs> You know, yeah. it, it sort of freaks you out a little bit, and you go, okay, are we going to be extinct here before too long? And then they'll look back at us and go, okay, so here's where the humans went wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, is this the beginning of that kind of thing? And I don't know. I really don't know the answer. We are creating and nursing our future captors. Yeah. 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 So, well... It's like having a child of, of, of any kind. You're raising something that's going to outlive and outwit you mm. eventually, right? Mm. I mean, we're at an event here where most of the people got here using computers for GPSs and such. A lot of people are filming it. A lot of people are recording it. I'm doing the same thing. I'm part of it as well. We're aiding to the thing, helping it grow, helping it get smarter giving it all the information that we need to give it and fooling ourselves by thinking, oh no, I'm just living my best life and I'm sharing. Right. This, is, I'm, this is part of technology. I'm reaching out and helping others. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. And in little, and in little ways, yep. apps like ways, you're feeding into the thing that's going to defeat you eventually. We're already, we're already in the metaverse. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, you know, and, and what was it, 2012 was when they thought the world was going to end because of the mind calories yeah. that were running out. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Or maybe the guy who made the calendar was like, how many how many of these do I have to make? And they were like, listen, right. you got to get to the end. He goes, but the party's going on. And like, well, finish it up. And he's like, okay, okay I'm not going to live that long. <laughs> maybe there's an element of that where they were just like, you know what? No one's going to live that long. Let's just end it. Kind of like how we made science fiction movies saying that by this year we're going to have flying cars and stuff. You know, mm -hmm. We're just like, no one's going to know from this point on. We'll just set it pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, you figure for them that was thousands of years, but it was like, yeah, who's going to care? And also, I got no free repercussions. So, yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. I heard um, that Neil deGrasse Tyson say that one of the theories that's out there is that they were afraid to build the Hydron Collider because they felt like if they did, that was basically going to end the universe. And he said, and there's theories that that actually did happen and that everything right now is a simulation on that. You know? At that point, I felt like I should just take my brain out and pull it on ice for a while. Yeah. And, because he starts talking on levels that I'm, I can't even follow anymore. Like he started describing the solar system and the way planets move, and he's like, "Think about it." He said, "When we were kids, um, he said, well, years ago, people thought that the Earth was the center of the universe, and then they realized, oh no, the Earth goes around the sun, and there's like other planets out there, and then they started following a path and they started tracking them, and then 
he said, when I was in school, we had the little, you know, thing where you had the, the sun would light up and you had the little things on arms and they would go around and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. He said, and then over time we realized, oh no, they don't actually go in the same linear path. Some of them are like this and some of them are like this and some of them have kind of a wobbly pattern because maybe the gravity is a little, you know, interrupted by things out there. And he said, here lately as we're understanding gravity and we're understanding our small part in the Milky Way galaxy, he said, we are learning now that we are swirling around the center of the Milky Way galaxy where there's a giant black hole. And so the, the sun is not sitting still. The sun is hurtling through space at a speed, and he specified the speed, which is ridiculous to think about that they can even measure that. But he said, we've also found out that the planets aren't going around the sun perfectly, that it's actually the sun is dragging the planets Kind of like you see somebody throw a baseball in slow motion where dirt particles fly around. He goes, so we're hurtling through space behind the sun and, and what we think is our revolution is just it revolving around it as the sun is hurtling through space. And he says, so our theory on asteroids zooming by our planet, they're actually not going anywhere. We're zooming past it. And I was like, hold on, time out. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you just melted my brain. Wait, what? Yeah. So it, it's stuff like that where I'm like, can I just go back to thinking that, uh, you know, the sky is blue because it's pretty? <laughs> you know, can, I, can I eat ice cream and just enjoy ice cream? Can I? I don't know. The, we, as a people, we have a thirst for knowledge, but sometimes that knowledge just makes you not sleep. Yeah. Yeah, my brain's over here going... You know, if all if all of that's true, everything is still everything for me. Should I even care? Right. Well, I mean, nihilist is a is a viewpoint of does it matter? Does any of it matter? Mm-hmm. You know. So, the way I've looked at it is, you have a choice in life. Like everything, basically, can be uh, a reality or a perspective, and your perspective can sometimes become your reality. Mm-hmm. So based upon your outlook of things, you can steer your life to be what you want it to be. If you want to be doom and gloom person, you could walk around and just be like, this all sucks, you all suck, everything sucks, it's all going to die, blah, blah, blah. And it's probably going to be that way for you. It's like a, like a garden. If you, if you nourish the garden, it will grow into whatever you grow it. So if you walk around and you're like, listen, there's a good way to look at this. You know, here's the positive spin on it. Then maybe during your day, everything that happens, even the bad stuff, you look at and go, "All right, well, I learned from that. The lesson. Yeah. Let me move forward. This is the this is the thing I'm supposed to get from this. Or here's the here's the one beautiful thing of this catastrophe that I can take away from this moment. And you got to appreciate that moment. Mm-hmm. And so that becomes your reality. And you know, I've just tried to adopt that side of it because I was like. You know, I raised three boys, and I told them, I said, listen, in life you have two choices. You can hurt people or help people. Mm-hmm. I prefer to help people. I can't help but go back to what you were talking about in the beginning when you're saying, you know, reality versus uh, perspective, mm-hmm. right? With celebrities and or people that are celebrities in your world, you know, you watching people, and then you meet them. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. how... They end up just being real people. Just normal people. 
where before you met them, it was like, oh my gosh. You know? Right. Well, and also those people are dealing with the same stuff you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out their diet, their exercise, their sleep. They're dealing with the pressures of work and home life and how to balance that stuff and trying to decide whether or not they need to invest in this thing or buy that property or sell this property or they have a death in the family and they're trying to grieve over that. And they're just people. Mm-hmm. So, like, one of my favorite comedians is Burt Kreischer, and I got to meet him yeah. at a comedy show and did a little meet and greet. And, you know, for me it was a big deal because his podcast, The Burtcast, kind of saved my life. Um, I was driving on a regular basis from Florence to Charleston to work, um, delivering groceries down there, and it's a long drive, and if you're listening to regular terrestrial radio at the time, that was all you had to offer, um, you would lose a signal for about an hour around Santee. You just couldn't pick up a signal in a, in a, in a truck. And so it was a quiet time, and of course it's the time where you get the drowsiest. You're just like, oh, I can't. I can't seem to stay awake. There's nothing around to look at. There's nothing to listen to. Yeah. And so it was hard. Um, I had downloaded... it very early, too. Right. Well, and, and I had downloaded some music onto my phone, and I would I learned to play the music through the speakers on the, on, the, on the radio, or I would bring with me a Bluetooth speaker to play it out loud. That way I could listen to it. Um, but after a while, you've heard all the songs, mm-hmm. and they become familiar to a point that it just becomes soothing. So even if it's an upbeat, loud, you know, type of song, you're still like, oh, I remember this song. <laughs> yeah. So podcast came out. That was a big revolution and a big thing that saved my life because I needed to be able to stay awake. And a friend of mine that I was in Rinkor with uh, sent me a link to Bert telling the machine story on Joe Rogan's podcast. He was 22. He got involved in Russian mafia and he robbed a train. Like, accidentally. <laughs> and this story is a crazy story that's then catapulted him to stardom. But I heard the story, and I was wide awake listening to it, and I thought, I freaking love this guy. And then he started talking about how he was on TV, and I was like, wait, I've seen this guy on TV before. I used to watch the the Hurt Burt show, and and uh, Travel Channel, I watched him on uh, the Travelocity, what is it, the um, Trip Flip. I was like, I've watched this guy before. I know this guy. So... I started getting more invested in it. He's like, I have a podcast. Uh, my buddy Tom got me to, to start it. And I was like, I got to find that. So I'm looking at the search and I find it. And then you listen to one, you listen to another, and then you find people on it and they go, I have a podcast. And you're like, I kind of like listening to this person too. And then it just grows like a spider web into more and more things that you follow. And, yeah. and it's, not, you know, it's not like everything's for everybody, but you find something that at least entertains you enough to keep you awake. And you're like, this is pretty cool. Well, now... You're sort of foolish if you don't have a podcast, if you want to reach anybody, because it's like, it's so easy to start, and then at the same time, it's so easy to do poorly. Yeah. So you have to think about the fact that you have an audience, and you have to think about content, and you have to think about a lot of things that most people don't think about, and I don't know, for some weird compulsion, now this is episode 373 for me. Why? Wow. Why? Because you love it. Yeah, Maybe. That's pretty clear watching you. But it's it's conversations. So the way I looked at it was the only difference between them and me is they're celebrities before they started this. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to a lot of their conversations, and they're not all great. I mean, they're not super great. Not all of them. There are some that are. Some of the best conversations I've had with people is maybe people that I don't even know. 
people who have different backgrounds, people who are more interesting than I am, in my opinion. And you go, wait, you have an unconventional life compared to mine. How do, how do you even pay the bills based on this? And then you find out about their life and, and the, the avenues that they've taken. And sometimes you find little nuggets of beauty in it where you're like, holy shit, you came from this country? And you, yeah. you know, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day and he was like, yeah, I actually grew up in, in you know, this other country and I got here this way and this is this crazy adventure my family was on and stuff. And I'm like, this is fascinating. Holy crap. And every now and then you find people like that and they have these amazing stories of things that they've been through or things their families have been through and you're like, this is the shareable stuff. This is the stuff that if we're dead and gone, no one's going to remember or talk about. You know, my grandfathers did amazing things. One of them was in World War II and, you know, got to see Hiroshima explode wow. from the ship. Um, was one of the first ships that actually came ashore. Uh, the other one tried to join the military and they told him he couldn't because he um, he hauled moonshine across state lines. So he got mad and he drove his truck through the recruiter's office and they arrested him and <laughs> it became a whole thing. And, <laughs> you know, was, but... Like, there's elements of their life and conversations that they've had with me that have really touched me in a way that I thought, those stories are gone. Like, they die with me. Because mm -hmm. my kids don't know those stories. And there's some of those stories that, that even their children haven't heard because they just felt weird about telling their own kids, but they'll tell their grandkid for some reason. Like, they get later in life and like, yeah, screw it, I got one chance left, so I'm going to tell you this story about when I met Al Capone and, and he had me bury a body. And you're like, What? <laughs> You can't say that stuff out loud. Oh, no, I totally know. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those people are still alive. He's like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. But you're like... The story of us. Right. We all have that story. And what's stopping us from sharing our stories? What's stopping us from sharing our interests? You know, someone said one time, um, don't boo my yay. Yeah. If I have a yay, support me in my yay. Like, let me, let me enjoy this moment. Let me enjoy this thing. But also, like, my brain goes, share your yay. Share mm. the thing that makes you excited. Right. Connect. What are you passionate about? Tell other people about it. Maybe you might inspire somebody else. You know, last night, going to the, the little Jeep drive through thing underneath Quaker State Lube over here, mm -hmm. the coolest thing was seeing the little kids running around and getting excited about the Jeeps. We saw this lady that had... A whole light bar situation set up where they were the lights were sort of dancing with the music, and this little girl walks around a corner and she sees it, and she must have been six or seven, and the look on her face light up, and she's like, <gasps> I mean, it was priceless because she's immediately grabbing her mom, go, what? And she's yeah. super excited about it. There's a future Jeep fan right there, mm -hmm. you know. She was inspired right then. Yeah, just yeah. a bunch of dancing lights. But something set off in her brain, that endorphin of, I'm just going to change my life right now. This hmm. is going to be, I want that. Yeah. Right? You watched a memory created. Exactly. So. That's beautiful. Here's the thing. If you, if you understand your own brain and the way it works, all memories are tied into emotion. Hmm. Whether you're happy, sad, pissed off, whatever. The things you remember the most are tied into emotion. Hmm. They say that women's brains... Uh, remember conversations a lot because they're more emotional about their conversations. So a lot of times they'll have a conversation with guys and the guys will be like, I don't remember the conversation. But she's like, yes, you do, because you said this and I said that. And you're like, really? But now we can have a thing where, you know, maybe we have an experience or we're working on something and we get hurt. 
So we remember that getting hurt, and we go, I remember this day I was working on this thing. You were there because we were working on the thing together, and it's a different thought, but it's all emotion. Yeah. So at, at a greater empathy level that yeah. they, they tend to have. Right. They feel what you're saying when you're telling the story. Exactly. When the thing's going on. Which is sometimes how guys' brains will naturally think of mechanical things that happen because they physically had to fix yeah. the thing or change the thing. Yeah, or like how and, we remember people. We, we remember your face, yeah. but don't remember your name, but I can remember exactly what you drive. But if you help me do something, I'll remember you more than if you just pass by me and you're like, and this is so-and-so's husband. I'm like, okay, not going to have to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they say but, in one but if you and came, out the other. If you came over and you helped me fix something, I'd be like, that dude, I love that dude. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even sure it goes in the ear sometimes. Yeah. You're just like, this is so-and-so and this is so-and-so. You're like, mm, okay, yeah. you're never going to have to remember any of that. <laughs> yeah. So... It's tied into emotion. So I think that sometimes it's important for us to get inspired by things, even though we get older and we get more jaded mm. by the things that we've seen and experienced. I think there's a part of it where we have to sort of accept it and go, okay, so how do I use this and how do I better my life for it mm-hmm. or because of it? Yeah. And there's a part of that in all of us, you know, it's, to me, it's a constant struggle. Just like working out, you have to mentally work out and you have to mentally get your brain to where you go, okay, don't be a dud. Let's take this in. Let's have fun. Let's, right. let's enjoy the thing. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been to Disney a lot, probably more than the average person. My wife is a huge Disney fan. I love it too, but I don't love it for the same reason she loves it. I love it because I get to watch my wife turn into a grandmother. Uh, from a grandmother into a 12-year-old girl yeah. within an instant. Yeah. The minute it's, that she sees Mickey, she jumps, she leaps off of her, you know, off the ground multiple times and is clapping her hand. It's Mickey Mouse. I mean, she knows it's a person in a costume. Yeah. But it immediately enlightens the childlike part of her and that makes me happier than anything that the entire process would, would have had. Yeah. Watching my wife find the fountain of youth in something like Disney makes me happy. Yeah. That's insightful. Yeah. The, so the ability to immerse yourself in someone else's perspective. And in their joy. And then, you know, you can share that joy. It's just like, okay, so you have a, you have a grandchild now. I do. Okay, so my grandson is yeah. six we had the conversation of what if we took our grandson to Disney? Mm. We would enjoy it more from his point of view than we would from ours. Yeah. Sometimes you do the thing with your kids or your grandkids because it brings you more joy to see their face become enlightened or inspired or find the joy that you found in something. And sometimes it's in something that you don't even, you're not even into. Sometimes you're just passing through something and they go, Oh my, look at that. And you're like, well, you like that? I mean, it, it is that. It's so weird because that perspective is obvious to me when I think about my yeah. children. Yep. But like if I were to think about, you know, buddies or something. Oh, I want to go do this. It's just, oh, I'm not into that at all. Yeah. Whereas I could say, well, they're into it for a reason. Yeah. I value this person. I have love for this individual. Let me, let me go share in that with them sure. regardless of how I feel. And, and then maybe I come away with it come away with so Rogan talked about how he said um, 
It's important in life to be passionate about things. And sometimes you have to find what other people find that they're passionate about and let them tell you their story. Mm. Because they're going to be they're going to be inspired. They're going to be curious. They're going to be they're going to have a different perspective than you will because you're not in it. Yeah. And sometimes you can get more from it by having them tell their story than you can just by observing it. Yeah. I think you know you, how you've heard it said we're all our biggest critic. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a discomfort level mm-hmm. with sharing interacting sure. beyond a certain level and you know I'm, I'm conscious that that's limiting and that you know from previous experience I've cheated myself of oh, we all know, have. those interactions and yeah. stuff like that but that's definitely something that I would like to become I'd like to exercise that mental muscle a little more and, and uh, remember that there's value in that and hopefully there's enough growth in all of us that the older we get, the more we learn to put aside our own insecurities and whatever hang-ups we have in our brain of young me wouldn't have done this. I mean, I hope that there's a part of us all that grows to a point where we're like, the, the mortality of life catches up to us and we realize, why don't I enjoy the ice cream when I want the ice cream? Why don't I go on the trip I wanted to take that seems silly to me when I was 20 because I was trying to be cool but I really do want to do that I mean I'm going to just do that yeah but also the reverse you know not don't get don't get so old you're not experiencing the stuff you would have done when you were 20 right don't get to the point where your body physically can't do the thing you want to do right yeah yeah so yeah I mean there is a balance to it all and sometimes like I've one of my young my youngest son has a thing where he considers all of the options for far too long to the point that he never experiences the thing that would have brought him joy he to start with. He missed his opportunity. Because yeah. he's so nervous about contemplating the possibilities of doing the thing or not doing the thing, he can literally get lost in the conversation in his own mind about it. And I mean I can't help but think that I'm partially to blame because I raised him and there's parts of me that I that didn't like that. But there's also that element of let her rip, Tater Chip. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's yeah. do it. Woo! Yeah. See, see that—that's the young me. When I was, you know, whatever, twenty, you know, in my teens, you, when you first start driving and you get out in the world a little bit on your own and stuff, I, I dude, I'll do anything. Mm-hmm. And now I'm a lot more reserved, and I and I feel the beginning of that was was kids. You know, some of the things I was doing. At those times, you know, I would get into those situations having children, and I'd go, no, 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 I, I want to see my kids again. And well, it, not only it that, just kind of snowballed. I'm sure there's, it to snowball. there's also an element of you thinking, oh, they depend on me. I yeah. can't, I can't not be there. Yeah. I yeah. mean, there's a little bit of responsibility in your mind of going, I can't screw this up. Yeah. If I do, it affects them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So that that has a huge effect. Um, but I'm sure, you know, you, you've got, you're in, into that part where you've got a grown son and you've got other kids that are getting ready to be out of the house. And there is a part where they get out of the house and you go, 
Oh, I can do dumb shit again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But, but you know, you can and you can't. I mean, because right. You know, the older you get, the harder it is to bounce back from things. So yeah, yeah. you know, you again, might again that balance. Yeah, you might think, oh, I can go water skiing again. You know, and you're like, yeah, God, I'm so sore from sleeping a certain way. How can I go water skiing? <laughs> like walking up and down that. That hill. Like walking re- up and down the repeatedly. hill. God, last night I, I, was, I was in that hot tub yesterday. And I was, I was rubbing my calves. I was like, I am so sore. And Danny, you know, God bless him, was driving the, the, the Jeep last night and he, he was heavy on the clutch. And he's like, my clutch foot is killing me. And I was yeah. like, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean. The balance. It is a balance. So, I don't know. I don't know what the point of all this is other than. Uh, live your joy. Yeah. Live your joy. Don't let yourself get in the way. Live your joy genuinely. Genuinely. That was the that was the tagline we were talking about earlier. Is record your life and share it at times, but also don't don't do it just to postulate. Do it as you're living your life. That is, let your story be part of the journey. You know the the videos that I put up recently of the thing. I made a comment that I just wanted to have life happen naturally and then I got to remember to record some of the things along the way because there's parts of it I want to share with my family or with other people who can't experience that as well and and yes I'm still feeding the AI so I am building the Terminator uh, Skynet as well so you're welcome sorry (laughs) it's the world we live in (laughs) Mm-hmm. Well, I think I'm going to wrap this up. How do you feel? I feel good. This was fun. You got anything you want to add? Mm, no. Just appreciate you finding me interesting enough to do it. Hey, man. <laughs> it's all... Everything is conversations for me. Um, and sometimes the conversations are good enough where you go, I kind of want other people to hear the conversation. Yeah. Because there are good conversations that people have. And I think that guys in particular are very hesitant to share that stuff. Um, you know, women on the other hand feel very comfortable with conversation. Guys are cumbersome. Was it the guy told me, uh, Matt, Matthew Tarleton was on the podcast. He said, when guys are younger, they compete. And when you're older, you, um, was it when you're young you compete and compare when you're older you compliment you have a tendency to share more you have a tendency to have more compassion it's that uh, life experience that gives you more yeah. appreciation for exactly what well and you don't have the there's a certain thing that that feeds your ego after you have lived a life where you don't feel the need to prove yourself to anybody anymore. It's like, no, no, I know who I am. Yeah. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. That was a Marine Corps trait. Know yourself and seek self-improvement. Because I kept thinking, you know, along the way, right? So when you're in your 20s, you don't know who you are, and you're trying to prove to everybody, including yourself, who you are. Postulating. So sometimes you do dumb stuff, and sometimes you get in fights you're not supposed to be in, and sometimes you make mistakes and have to live with the consequences and grow from those consequences and you get older and you're like okay I don't have to do that stuff anymore and if somebody has an opinion that's their opinion this care. is what I've actually done I really don't care yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really don't I really don't care 
But sometimes I do care. So. <laughs> and that's all okay. So we're going to end this. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. If you want to be on the podcast, let me know. Um, if you're at the, if you're interested in the uh, Great Smoky Mountains Jeep Invasion, uh, check out the videos. I've put up several. Uh, i got more to record today. We're going to go on a trail. They're great. What's it called? The Miracle Mile or something like that? Mm, I forget what it's called. I think so. Um, I'm going to have a trail video posting later. Uh, check that out. And, um, you know, give us a shout out. And thanks for listening. Y'all take care now. And always end this by saying, cue the cow. Moo.